Yo, yo. BD, what's going on? Welcome back. Thank you, sir. Feels back. like it's been forever since we did this. I know. I know. We So we did the early pod last week, as our listeners know. Did the February edition of our Rookie Mock Draft. And then off I went for my 10-year anniversary. Spent four days up in Sonoma a day in San Fran, and then four more down in Cabo. Wow. And Congrats on the 10-piece. Congrats on the 10-piece, man. I'm just getting my uh, journey started here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, harsh harsh break back to reality, you know. So uh, back at work the past few days. We'll have to see how productive I am next week. But, Turtle, decent segue. You, you also... Uh, we're away last week on some festivities, or the week prior. Uh, yeah. What'd you have going on? <clears throat> I had my uh, bachelor party going on. We uh, we went out to Arizona for a golf and gambling trip, and we had a really good time. Pretty uh, pretty interesting stuff. Success at the craps tables? Oh, uh, very much success. I learned how to play craps for the first time, AC Doocy for life, and uh, I hope Florida can finally agree with the uh, Seminole tribe and get live craps down here. Yeah. So, so, so talk to me, AC Ducey, good, good uh, update for our league, which was we had a manager, we had a previous orphan team get assumed a few months back, um, you know, around the turn of the year. Um, And then that manager, after getting introduced to maybe some of the league intensity said, you know what, this is a little bit too intense for me. And now we got, Jesse in there, a.k.a. AC Ducey, <laughs> Nick, nickname from the bachelor party. Um, any juicy tidbits on what went down or anything <laughs> you want to share? No, I mean, Jesse, Jesse's been uh, doing Dynasty Leagues longer than we have, you know. he's uh, He's been doing it. He's, he's in a, a few very in-depth leagues where you actually take college players. Um, and I guess you, like, hold them on your taxi squad for when they actually get drafted. So, he knows what's going on. He's not going to get waxed by anybody. He's going to really be thorough with it, and I think that's the type of player that we need in there um, <clears throat> to fill that role because I think the power dynamic is a little, you know, it gets a little lopsided sometimes, so it's really good to have somebody in there that, that knows what's going on. He's a yeah. Devi guy, huh? He's what? He's a Devi guy. Yeah, Devi, yep, exactly. That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah fair, fair play. Shout out to Jesse. Welcome to the league. Uh, we're happy to have you, especially if you're bringing some good knowledge and competition. Uh, we'll love it. You think you think he's going to be a guest speaker, or is he, you know, up for that? No, he will. He would love to get on here. He, uh, I already said, I was like, we're going to bring you on the podcast at some point. Just be ready for it. And he was he was all about it. You know, he needs a little break. He needs a little break from his wife and kids sometimes too. You know, and this is the perfect platform to do it on. Yeah. Well, between you and BD, it's already a two Giants fan podcast. If he gets <laughs> man i don't know what's gonna happen you're right all right well let's uh let, let's roll into the show uh to kick us off on this intro this week we have um falling is the name of the song and that's by zephyr we'll kick that off and then we'll jump right in Oh, 
All right. Yeah, we're still trying to find our vibe here. You know what? I'm loving Falling by Zephyr, um, possibly as a chill outro. We'll have to see how it feels at the end of the show, but uh, a good vibe there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, guys, this week we got three main things we want to get through. The first is um, going to be the, the news and notes on the recent NFL things that we're hearing. Uh, Combine started, obviously, so all the GMs are together, or most of the GMs are together, and um, we got breaking reports left and right on some on some pretty interesting things that will have uh, dynasty ripple effects. Um, so we'll spend some time on that. Then we'll jump into, uh, we've kind of teased it in previous shows, especially when we were talking about some trades, was we actually had a period in our league of 24 hours where seven big trades went down we want to walk through each of those these are real dynasty trades and we'll have some reactions around that um and again you you take this information you compare it to your league and if you like some of these trades um i don't think any of us are going to be walking away with the mindset that any particular side um won heavily or lost heavily so if you like players on either of the sides um maybe that helps you construct something in your own league so you'll take that and then turtle is going to close us off with a a, a top three edition these are going to be the high upside handcuffs at both the running back position and uh we don't talk about handcuffs a lot at the wide receiver position but we have uh we want to put that kind of thought plant that seed in your head that there is upside just like with running backs getting hurt wide receivers get hurt and if you have um some high upside uh handcuffs for uh receivers with good quarterbacks uh you might have a little ace up the sleeve down the road when when uh your team or another team experiences some injuries so let's kick it off with some news guys um, I, I think, you know, try not bury the lead. The, the biggest one that we keep hearing over and over is Aaron Rodgers. Um, the biggest kept secret is that he's staying put. The next day we hear uh, he's torn on where he wants to play, and that could be staying in, in Green Bay. That could be going to Tennessee. That could be going to Denver. We've heard those two a lot. Uh, the most recent report threw uh, the Steelers into the mix, and that was a surprise for me. Um, what do you guys think? Where do you want to see him land? And where do you ultimately think he lands? Not a day that he can keep himself out of the news. I mean, he, he might as well go move to Hollywood at this point and uh, <laughs> go play for the Rams. But, um, you know, I, I think he's my, I mean, my, my gut says he's probably safe, but, um, but, you know, on the flip side of it, uh, the Packers have uh, a lot of money. Uh, that needs to be spent to keep players around him, keep talent around him to actually compete. I can't imagine he's going to go play someplace he can't compete. And it, so, if Green Bay can't figure out how to how to structure the 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 cash, then you know, I I think he actually may end up on another team. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. But I mean, selfishly for me, I, I just I don't really care where he goes. I just hope that he gets and continues to stay paired up with Devonte. And that's really for my own selfish purposes. Um, but other than that, you know, like uh, Rodgers, wherever he goes, he's going to make a team playoff playoff related. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, selfish selfish um, impulses put aside. Take a if those are the four teams, Turtle. Take a a guess where he ends up being. 
I think he stays in Green Bay. Okay. So you think you think this is just the the dramatic flair that Rodgers has and keeping the name in the headlines and at the end of the day it's it's much fussed about nothing. He's he's wearing the green and yellow again. I, I do think that. I and the reason is because he started getting along a lot better with uh the management team, uh after all that COVID stuff happened. So I feel like they kinda had his back. So I feel like he'll uh he'll reciprocate that. Yeah. Yeah, rumors are they want to make him the highest paid player in the NFL. Makes sense. I think I saw something around $45 million, which made me think, and this is just a side note, I don't know if either of you guys got the answer to it, I'm pretty sure Mahomes signed a 10-year deal for half a billion. So that would, I mean, just, yeah, it's 10 I'm years. no mathematician, but that's $50 million a year. So I don't know if Rodgers at 45 is going to beat that or if, you know, just the way they've constructed Mahomes' contract, he's not making 50 million equally and that's kind of backloaded but he'll be paid regardless yeah yeah so the next the i mean kind of sticking with the chiefs um word is that tyree kill is going to be signing an extension soon uh really don't know if there's much more to talk about there since there's no changing teams but uh again turtle this is a guy that you have so i'll flip it over to you uh being linked with mahomes not the worst thing in the world no, and he's worth he's worth that twenty million a year, in my opinion, because he just brings such a dynamic element to the field. He's a playmaker, and when he gets the ball in his hands, he's going to be doing something. Uh, he's been very he stayed off the sidelines for a few years uh, in a row now, no significant injuries. So I think he's just got nothing but upside, and I I don't see why they wouldn't pair him up with Kelsey and uh, Patrick Mahomes for as many years as they could. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And then on the uh, the the pre combine pre free agency news was we're going to see a shift in QBs changing teams on a carousel like we've not seen before. Uh, mm. if, the dom- if Aaron Rodgers' domino falls and he stays put, another one looking likely to stay put is the Seahawks Russell Wilson. Um, it, it broke this week that the uh, the Washington Commanders went out and made a really really strong offer. Um, and one that was actually, you know, either a fair or overpay is what it sounded like. Multiple first round picks, um, possibility to, to choose a stud from their defensive roster. They have first round defensive players, um, going back the past three or four drafts. Uh, so, so a fair offer, um, it was, it was quickly rebuffed. It it seems like, uh, Wilson is going to stay, but. If, you, if multiple firsts and a former first-round pick who's who's not flamed out, who's actually performing at a Pro Bowl level, which they have multiple on the defensive side, isn't going to get you a QB, um, are we just not going to see QBs change teams? Yeah, I, I, I think that's sort of the, the trend that is, is happening, right? Um, I mean, all of these big-name quarterbacks that have been floated across, you know, the past year or so, you know, Pretty much all of them seem to be staying put. My, you know, we'll see what happens with, with Aaron Rodgers. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think now teams have to start looking at that second tier of uh, free agent quarterbacks that are out there, right? Guys who previously started in the league, high draft picks with, you know, Mitch Trubisky or Marcus Mariota or, I mean, even um, even Teddy is still out there, right, or Jameis, right? There's, there's some – there's still some talent out there at the in the free agency market, um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised uh, if 
none of these quarterback dominoes are going to fall via trade, then, you know, those guys are going to get signed pretty quickly come, come mid-March here. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, tying it back into Dynasty, if you're playing Superflex uh, and you're in a QB needy team, you're struggling just like these real-life NFL teams without a stud QB are struggling. You know, no one in the Superflex wants to, to part with them. Um, I don't know. Uh, what do you what do you think, Turtle, uh, on that statement? It, it's just hard to pry uh, a top eight or top ten QB away from a team that uh, thinks in a super flex format. Yeah, I mean, without adding value to the team that's going to be um, letting the quarterback go, it's very hard. You know, I mean, people are going to be wanting these teams are going to be wanting a lot of pieces, and I don't know if a lot of these teams are worth are going to be wanting to pay so much for one of these, especially one of these older quarterbacks, you know, yep. somebody in the, in their late thirties. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I think there's going to be some movement. I just don't think it's going to be as much as we thought uh, from the beginning of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So moving right along, um, another big name, we have Amari Cooper likely to be released from the Cowboys uh, fantasy implications there, guys. What do you think? Cowboys beyond, I mean, so fa- fantasy implications, uh, some other team is going to get a wide receiver one, um, you know, and, and hopefully he goes to a team who can actually exploit his talents. I, I, I mean, I saw a, a graphic on Twitter the other day with uh, with him in a Chiefs uniform, which I thought would be pretty interesting. Wow. Um, well, you know, I, I, I think the bigger, I mean, for me, the bigger story of that is just the Cowboys are just idiots. You know, they, they have, the reason that they couldn't keep Amari Cooper is because they signed that ridiculous contract with Zeke. And, uh, you know, they, he's on the downswing of his career. They they ran him into the ground. And, you know, now he's he's still productive, but he's not productive like he used to be. And they had to cut very talented wide re- – or they're going to have to cut a very talented wide receiver uh, because of that. So in Dynasty League, should, should we be – Advising the listeners, go out, get uh, – if Cooper's gone and that's a certainty, um, who who should we be advising the listeners to go out and get? Is it Cedric Wilson? Is it Michael Gallup for the long term? Is it uh, Dalton Schultz? Who – what's going to happen there? It's going to be CD show, and then they're going to be sprinkling Gallup in there, in my in my opinion. I think Schultz is a great player. I don't, I haven't seen enough from him to be like, oh, that guy's going to be an elite tight end in the NFL. Um mm-hmm. So it's hard to say at this point, but if you are going to go try to buy somebody at their low point right now, it's got to be Michael Gallup, especially get coming off of his injury. Yeah. If you can get him for cheap, why not? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I actually will go to the other side of that. Right. And, and uh, this is, I, I have both Gallup and Cedric Wilson on my team. Um, if, the Cowboys come out of the draft without a top wide receiver. Um, you know, I mean, there, there's there's nothing stopping them from going and selecting another wide receiver in the draft this year. But if they come out and you know they've re-signed Cedric Wilson and they've re-signed uh, Michael Gallup. I think actually probably the best value in that offense is going to be Cedric Wilson. Um, he re- he really showed out this year. He you know for a, a fourth option, even fifth option on that team, uh, pass catch option, you know, he, he didn't do too bad. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Dak uh, has a history of spreading the ball around that offense. So, you know, I, I don't know that, you know, I, I think CD is going to be a top guy in that offense, but 
I don't know if we're going to be looking at him as anything more than a, a you know, bottom half wide receiver one. Um, you know, maybe he has the upside to be a top half wide receiver one, but I don't think it's going to be consistent year in and year out. Wow. That's a hot take for sure. Yeah. And I, I, I don't disagree. Um, what a lot of folks don't know is, uh, so Gallup late season ACL tear had some pretty bad swelling, took a while to die down. Obviously we know you, you got the swelling's got to go down. Some people have none. Um, I think Robert Woods reminiscent of that, you know, finishing off practice and, and playing and practicing throughout the week and realizing he had the tear. Uh, and then there's others like Gallup. It took, you know, six to eight weeks to, to calm down. So does the surgery timeline push him back? And do you get uh, four games, six games, eight games of Cedric Wilson as the two? And to Brian's point, does that represent some some nice nice value early season? And then uh, does he solidify himself as the, as that too? And and um, you know continue on uh, for the rest of the season, giving you great value for what the cost would be. So. Yeah. He'll, he'll be a cheap option in my mind. Although, you know, if, if you want to come get him off my squad, anybody in our league, uh, you know, I, you're going to have to overpay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the the next thing, um, QB related, we're, we're ping and pong between wide receivers and QBs here, but uh, with the Niners. So a lot of hubbub since we last talked, right? It was uh, Brady is going to potentially come out and then, uh, obviously, Brady, you know, announced he's actually uh, producing and starring in a film. So that's kind of t- covering him up for the next few months. And then the combine started and or actually prior to that, you know, then it was like, is Garoppolo actually going to be traded? Will he won't he uh, a lot of a lot of cloudiness around Lance as the guy uh, the combine hits and we get some actual concrete news stories and not speculation. And we know that uh, the the Bucks are going to play hardball. They're going to say, if you want to play, you got to play for us. We're a QB needy team, uh, and it's just bad business, is is what they call it. They don't want to set the precedent for their franchise to have people retire and force their hand to move. So they're going to use Brady as as the case. And then it came out that Garoppolo had the shoulder, and is still, despite that, likely to be traded to a team. It's just uh, probably determining price, but it looks like he's going to be on the move. Then there's been possible Mitch Trubisky as a backup to to Lance and, and a few others. They want to really get a solid veteran in there to back him up and a help coach. And they did that recently by hiring Brian Greasy to come be the QB coach. Uh, Brian Greasy, Michigan State uh, college championship winner back in the a while back, uh, 10 seasons in the NFL, et cetera. So good resume. Uh, we'll have to see if he is, is a good QB coach. But but Lance, all that to say, um, fast forward the nine or 10 days since we last spoke, a lot of news has come out and some clarity uh, from my point of view to the situation that they need to get behind Lance, and, and it seems like they're going to. Um, where does – where is Lance going to shake out? What is his weekly floor? What is his ceiling for the year? Um, and, and how should guys be valuing him in a super flex dynasty? Yeah, I, I think Lance is going to be a great player um, in this league for a long time as soon as he starts getting that opportunity. Um, to be honest, I, I think that he's going to have a, a floor of 20 points just because of his rushing upside. Mm-hmm. Um, is he going to throw the ball 15 times a game? 
or I think I think he will. I think he'll be targeting Kittle. I think he'll be targeting Debo, and you know, and then I think they'll be doing a lot of dump off passes to the running backs, whether that's Debo, Elijah Mitchell, or you know, your boy Sermon. Um, I think that he's going to be getting the ball out of his hands, and I think he's going to be passing it a, a decent amount, more than people think. Yeah, I, I think you're probably going to see a healthy dose of Trey Lance rushing, and um, I, I agree with with Turtle with the the short dump off passes. I mean, I think that the thing that I'm really interested with in with Lance is uh, the time off, right? The you know he hasn't really played in a ton of considerable games in his career, right? Both collegiate as well as professional, right? I mean, we saw him a couple times last year with, with Garoppolo injuries and, and he looked good, right? And and he's, he can, you know, I mean, he's got a cannon for an arm and, you know, he's got uh he's got really unique rushing abilities, which, which I think is, is really, you know, the upside for, for him as a fantasy player. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious just to see, you know, I, I want to see the kids start some games, right? Um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, what he's he's within the past three years, he's maybe played, you know, less less than six games. Um, if he, Brian, if he stayed in school and he declared this past year, is he the runaway one hundred and one in rookie drafts, super flex rookie drafts? Uh, I mean, it it depends, right? I mean, uh, he. He came from a, a small school, right? I mean, um, he's not he's not from a, a power conference school like Alabama or Ohio State, you know. So he he played against inferior competition, and, and I mean, he dominated against them, right? So there's something to be said about that, you know. I I tend to trust in Shanahan, right? I mean, I think he's proven that he is a uh, a top. Uh, coach in this league and and able to craft his system around the talents of his players Mm -hmm. i I think he lance possesses the the abilities to uh provide his upside for the san francisco offense i'm not sure he would be able to on a on a team in the same way yep Um, so my opinion and we'll move on after that i think lance dynasty super flex I think he's a top eight option. He might yeah. be down in the seven to eight range. Um, I think overall players, he's got to be in the top 25 of power rankings. And, and I think I agree with Turtle. His, his floor last year seemed to be around that uh, 18 to 20 point range. And that was with probably a whole lot of rust. If he has a good offseason and uh, he's got a cannon for an arm, who knows? Are, are they going to get him a deep threat are they gonna you know will fuller on the move uh, amari cooper what have you uh if they got someone who can run deep and he can hit it up that would be you know uh for a long-term growth but um for me i think the the window to buy potentially low if you had an owner in your league that you know didn't have diamond hands that was scared about all of the news and the confusion and 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 the 49ers front office not coming off and backing Lance as their guy. Uh, the time has passed, most likely, uh, because that's exactly what they did at the Combine as they came out and backed Lance and keep praise on him and, and yada, yada, yada. So uh, that the buy-low window is probably gone, but until he starts putting up 20 a week, there still could be a window. Um, and, and my suggestion, if, if you got an owner who 
can afford to flip him or is willing to to trade Lance, I'd go get him in your league. So moving on to the rookies, guys, let's just uh, I'll be quick about it. Is there anything that you'd like to um, over the past few days of the combine? Any rookies jump up your boards, fall down your boards? Yeah, I got something for you. I I just thought this was a very interesting stat because uh, it just really shows how much of workhorses these these running backs are. the The combine stat is five rookie running backs weighed two hundred and five plus pounds and ran a sub four point five zero forty with a 34-inch vertical. So that's pretty crazy. Those, those running backs were Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Rashad White, Pierre Strong, and Devontae Price. Ooh. And as you notice, there's a few of those other running backs that everyone was really high on that isn't on that list, um, and they seem to be falling down those draft boards. You guys know who I'm talking about. Yeah, Isaiah Spiller being one of them. He's he's kind of working out through an injury, but i got to say, um, I agree. Brees Hall stock way up. He, he could be the, the 101 in Dynasty drafts. He's not doing anything wrong, and he's putting good numbers on tape. Ken, Kenneth Walker, the same. So, yeah. Stock down. And Traylon Burks, I think, maybe stock down, too, based on what he's putting on tape. Apparently, I didn't see it, uh, but I did read a comprehensive report. He didn't look good in positional drills, apparently. Mm. Um, Christmas, Christmas of routes, knowing where he should be and when. Um, you know, for these scripted things, you gotta you gotta throw the kid maybe a mulligan. He's nervous out there. Definitely. Um, but but he he probably has all the talent in the world. But is he a Jalen Rager? These same guys who have all the talent in the world, uh, but just never put it together at the professional level between the ears. So two big stocks up. I think two big stocks down from my point of view. With Spiller and Burks down, Hall and Walker up. Um, Brian, what do you think on the rookies? Yeah, Brees Hall definitely uh, definitely. Uh, showed out um, and and you know pretty much solidified himself as as one of the top uh, dynasty players in this draft and we'll talk talk about maybe a, a, a regretful trade have at this point um, a little bit later on uh, you know I, I think Garrett Wilson um, definitely helped out his draft stock he showed that he's a top guy in this in this mm. draft um, one guy who who you know he he's, he was a possible top five running back in this draft that I, I don't think you can say is a top five running back in this draft anymore is uh, Kyron Williams. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, he, he basically almost just got uh, outrun by a uh, – uh, who, who's the uh, the guy? Jordan, who did? Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis, yeah, thank you. Uh, 4 7 8 40, that big, big defensive tackle. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, Kyron Williams didn't do himself any favors. Uh, one player that I I really really like, and he's um, you know he he's a he's he's not talked about in the top tier of running backs, but but did post a pretty decent uh, forty time and, and a top broad jump uh, is Zimmy White. Uh, yeah, I think it was important for him to show that he is fully healthy after you know couple torn ACLs in his career and mm-hmm. um you know he he's the other side of that that Georgia uh running game with James Cook but you know he was he was a five star recruit going into to college and um a lot of people were talking about him as being you know a, a really really good talent so uh in the history of Georgia running backs I you know he he could follow in the steps of a uh, Nick Chubb and, and you know 
get drafted a little bit later, but but really show out. Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, Kyron Williams was a great point, actually. That should have been probably higher than Burks in terms of stock down. Slowest run uh, of of the running back, slowest forty time with his four six five, and he, he measured he measured in small too, uh, sub two hundred, tiny guy, um, height and weight. Um, you know, had great college tape on at Notre Dame, uh, but you know sometimes that doesn't always translate if if the uh, peripherals aren't there as well. Uh, who knows? Is he going to slip in rookie drafts and become a value at some point? Probably. Uh, we'll have to see where he lands. But, yeah, pretty big stock down there. You know who else looked really good on a, on a different position level? Um, Chris Olave. And a lot of people were talking, saying that Chris Olave is not going to be good. What he did here at the Combine, he just looked so smooth, so fast. And I think he's going to be a blessing for any team that gets him. Oh, pure speed. Absolutely pure speed. Very good point. All right, let, let's let's switch gears, guys. Let's jump into um, uh, away from what's happened the past ten days, and, and we'll have less talk to talk about, you know, moving forward when we're recording this weekly. We won't have so much time and news to cover, so a little bit of an extended segment. But let's let's move on to um, what we really wanted to get through today was our wildest twenty-four hour trade period. Uh, it started early morning uh, on, I think it was back sixteenth. Around seven, eight o'clock or something, the first trade went down, and it actually went to about eight a.m. the next morning. Um, seven of these big trades. Jason, um, who was on the pod last week, was involved in a good number of them. A uh, number of them. He had decided at that point to uh, look at his roster, compare himself to others, and say, you know what, I'm going to try to be the first guy to not be a pretender um, from a, uh, thinking I'm a contender and say, you know what, I'm going to start rebuilding, I'm going to start selling my assets and acquiring draft capital, et cetera. Um, so, BD, you, were, you, you got it kicked off with the uh, – you received McLaurin. Why don't you walk us through that one? Yeah, so uh, flip, side of, flip side of Jay's, uh, Jay's play there with, with getting into rebuild, right, I, I looked at my roster and said, you know, I'm, I'm a couple pieces short. I've got a lot of draft capital, right? I had, uh, I think at that point, eight first-round picks between uh, 2022 and 2023. Maybe it was nine. I, I can't remember. Um, you know, and I decided, hey, you know what? Why don't I? Why don't I see if I can uh, start to upgrade some positions and you know fill up my roster and maybe make a, a play for competing in in 2022, right? So, yeah, I uh, so first trade uh, went down that day. Uh, I received Chase Edmonds uh, and Terry McLaurin in a 2023 second. Um, and I sent uh, Boston Scott, free agent running back for, for Philly, uh, Gabe Davis, um, you know, hot, hot player right now, uh, definitely an upside player, but uh, still some question marks there on the, the Buffalo offense. And, uh, you know, I highly coveted 2023 first. It was, it was my own. Um, so I'm betting myself a little bit to, to not suck but and I, I think uh, you know I got I got a upside wide receiver in Terry McLaurin right if if Washington can get a semi competent quarterback and I think Terry's definitely the guy there right and they're already talking about ending uh, his contract and I think Chase is an interesting guy uh, well I expect him to be the piece that leaves that Arizona offense um, I think Connor probably stays I think Edmonds probably leaves. Uh, but he's got past catching chops, right? And I was really just looking for, 
you know, somebody younger who might be able to get 10 points a game, uh, fill out that RB2 spot on a bye week um, if I needed him and, and, you know, be able to rely that I'm going to get some points out of him. So, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty happy with the trade. We, we actually called it the Edmonds line all of last year because if you're on the Edmonds line, it means you're doing good. That means your floor is about 9 to 10 points a game. So any running back that you have that matches up with the Edmonds line, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, and, and to go into that, guys, what we mean by that is Edmonds is that unique hybrid back where, yeah, he was in a platoon with Connor, and Connor was getting the goal line work, but Edmonds would have a, a 9 to 12 carry floor and a 4 to 5 catch floor. And, and oftentimes, if you can get some good yak, um, you're going to get out of that six to seven point range and into the nine to point nine to ten point range as a floor and that that's really good to have as brian said as an rb2 uh, weekly fill-in uh or bi-week fill-in or or a flex play um and you gotta forget you can't forget rather when he does pop in the end zone here and there sporadically your nine points suddenly becomes 15 your 10 points suddenly becomes 16 and it becomes a really really nice week so the way i see it Gabe Davis, who was primed to sell high after that big game, you went out and swapped him for a running back, which if you're a contending team, um, having, a, having a running back stable is, is always a good thing because it's in a very injury-prone position. And then you swapped your 2023 first, which to your point, by all intents and purposes, you want it to be a very low one since you're pressing for a good year this year, for Terry McLaurin. And I don't. I don't think turtle. I don't think you can get Terry for less than a first. So I don't think he should be more than a first. But a first round pick for Terry seems very fair on both sides. Um, I think this was an equal trade. What do, uh, any final comments? I, I like. I like this trade for Brian because Brian, like Brian said, he looked at his team and he realized that he can compete. And I think that this gives him one more piece um, that really will help him just win games each and every week. Um, and then we move to the next one, you know, and, yeah. and, it really, and then it really, really shows you what Brian was trying to do. Um, yeah, so a few hours later, same two teams. Turtle, why don't, why don't you lay it out for yeah. what, what, the, what the optics were, and then we'll toss it over to Brian and see how he feels about it. Yeah, so Brian sent the 101 of the 2022 draft, so that's probably either Brees Hall or, um, or Traylon Burks. And he received Cam Akers and 2022 fourth round pick. In my opinion, I think that was a great, great move. I mean, Akers was just coming off of an injury, so we didn't really see exactly what he is capable of doing those last few games that he did play. But overall, he's an extremely young player, and uh, I think he's got a good career ahead of him on a really good uh, St. Louis or uh, Rams team, St. Louis. Jesus. So, um, so Brian. Uh, how'd this one age in your mind? You still feeling um, good or I don't want to leave the witness. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I, I feel, I still feel good about it. Um, I believe in Cam Akers. I mean, the interesting uh, uh, off season player with Cam Akers. I, I think he's one of a few of the most polarizing dynasty, uh, dynasty or fantasy players uh you know in the in the twitter sphere for sure um you find as many people who think he's gonna he has uh you know rb1 overall upside is thinking he might be you know outside of a, a 
running back too. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with the trade. I, I think I, I, I'm, I'm still happy that I made it. Watching Brees Hall go out and show out like he did, you know, I'm, I'm having a little bit of uh, maybe I could have gotten away without doing it. I would have gotten, uh, would have gotten Brees Hall out of it as well. Um, but you know, it all depends where where he ends up, right? If he ends up there someplace, I don't think Cam Akers is going to be in a timeshare next year. I think you know, I think McVay wants him to be the guy. Um, and and you know, the Rams have uh, have played the trade every draft pick to try and, and worked out for them hard, but I don't think they're going to be drafting one of the top running backs in this draft. So, you know, I, I think he's the guy. So I'm I. I I'm still all right. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and that's exactly what I was going to say. As you were saying, is is the unknown for Hall, even though he went out and and showed off in the underwear Olympics. There, um, we don't know where he's going to be. You know, if he lands in Miami, wow. If he lands in Houston, mm, you know, maybe not so wow. Like, yeah, it's great that he's he, he might have a backfield to himself, but very different situation, very different club trajectory. Um, or does he go out and and go into a backfield that um, he's going to be a, a committee guy? Um, I, I don't know. Does does he drop to someone like uh, L.A. Chargers, uh, who has Eckler, and it's yeah. a thunder and lightning thing? Do, do the Titans go out and draft Henry's successor, and he's – a middling used back um, for a half a year or a year or two years while, while Henry winds down his career. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I think you, you still got to feel good. Acres is, I think has, has a wide window um, of floor and ceiling, but his ceiling um, may ultimately prove to be higher than, than, than Hall's ceiling. Yeah. And, and I, it's important probably just to say, you know, the reason I'm I'm saying I regret Hall, uh, or not saying I regret, but uh, I'm talking Hall at 101. Um, you know, I traded Jay for the 101, and, and he's been pretty vocal that he's planning on taking Brees Hall at 101. Yeah. Um, you know, so so that's that's I I still hold the 103 this year, right? I've still got a, a pretty high pick. I mean, it may very well be that Jay decides, hey, you know, Burks is my guy, Wilson's my guy, Malik Willis is my guy. All right, and Brees Hall uh, ends up falling to me at 103. Um, so I still get the guy there, um, but you know I'm I, I'm I'm happy with the trade. I I think overall I'm good. So so first trade goes down at 8 a.m. The Acres trade goes down maybe two hours later or so at 10. Turtle, you're seeing okay. BD just got McLaurin for a first. He just got Acres for a 22 with the 101. Um, you're sitting there with two first round picks, the 105 and the 106, burning the proverbial hole in your pocket. Um, I, at what point? Give us a little little background before you jump into the uh, explaining the trade. What were you immediately at, starting at 8 a.m. talking to Jay, trying to get him, or when you saw the second trade go down, did you know, hey, this is actually a fire sale? I got to get in there. What was going and- that's exactly what happened. As soon as I saw that second trade go down, I texted Jay. I was talking to him about Dobbins for the past like week before that, but he really wasn't trying to sell him to me. And then when he realized that he wanted to sell his whole team off, that's when I pounced after I saw that BD just got acres. 
because I was like, I'm not missing, I'm not missing out on this. Like, there's one other player on his team that I would want, and that was Dobbins. So I went after it and I got it. I tried to get Watson too, but he wasn't going to trade me Watson. So I just said, all right, let me get Dobbins. Um, he wasn't going to do the trade because he he wasn't going to do it originally because I wanted that second round pick, which he ended up giving me. Um, because I mean, giving up two first round picks, you know, that's tough. But there's a definitely a, a a joke going on Twitter and everyone's saying, I, I don't know who to take with the 104. I don't, I don't know who to take with the 104. And people are just like, well, just be patient. So it's like, there's no clear cut 104 and 105 right now. So I feel really good about uh, acquiring Dobbins, especially with him being on such a good run offense. Um, I think he's got the ability to be a top five running back by the end of this year. I really do. Yeah, so so the, the exact trade, just for the listeners, is you gave the 22, 105, and 106. Uh, you got back the 22, you got a round five, uh, probably not even worth the number of what it was, the 501. You got the 22, 203, along with the rehabbing, torn ACL, J.K. Dobbins. So um, you saw Akers go for the 101. Now, obviously, I think you got to wait the 101 just because you have the ability to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say double the value of all the other first round picks, but it but it gives you total flexibility. So like much like a stock option, you you have um, ability to do a few things, and there's intrinsic value within that ability. So the 101 um, obviously weighted higher, but you did give up two top six first round picks. Do you think you got the most bang for your buck? You still sitting happy with with Dobbins? Uh, yeah, I think if he didn't give me that second round pick, I wouldn't have done it. But because I was able to recoup some of the value on that second round pick, I was like, all right, I'll just yeah. I'll just make it happen. I'll take the chance on Dobbins, and that really just you know I think it really secured my my stable of running backs, where I really feel confident in having extremely young running backs that have high upside as long as they stay on the field you looked at it is the 105 for Dobbins plus I only had to slide down what was it uh nine spots from yeah the- no I don't even think it was that many because he gave me the 201 so it was like yeah yeah probably nine nine yeah. go, go ahead BD sorry yeah no I I, I mean I, I when I was making my trade right uh Jay had first proposed to me Dobbins for the the 101 right and, and I I was actually seriously considering that um because I, I do like Dobbins. You know, the only reason I didn't go Dobbins was because I've got Lamar on my roster. And I didn't want to overexpose myself to the Ravens uh, offense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I didn't have uh, Lamar, I, I actually may have ended up with Dobbins there. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like Dobbins. I think he's a good player. I think he's, uh, you know, him and him and Akers, right? I, I, I've seen plenty of. Uh, Mox going having them go actually back to back. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully Lamar can start using Dobbins a little bit more in the passing game. That uh, that would really increase his upside. Yeah, and I I will tell you complete honesty, it was probably at that point too when I saw the second trade go down. I also reached out for Dobbins and inquired on the cost, and I could definitely afford him. Um, I had at that point, I think. Um, four first rounds over the next few years, uh, the 104 in 2022, uh, probably the 101 or 102 in 2023. So I had flexibility, but, um, but you know, just didn't get to it in time. Turtle Turtle came up with an offer and uh, first, and that, and that went through. So uh, my negotiations just weren't quick enough. Now, 
not to be outdone, I need to get in on the action. So uh, <laughs> I had been talking for, it's just funny, we have Corey who was on the podcast last week. He's a manager who, if you want to trade with him today, you better have started discussions a week or 10 days ago. Yes. Right. So he has been talking to me about, he, he was bare on, on picks. I had the 104. Um, I felt very much like Turtle just explained with a Twitter joke. I don't know who the heck I'm going to take. Um, most likely it's going to be a QB because Brady just retired on me and I got Matt Ryan, a.k.a. Wiener Crayons, <laughs> wings. So I was just going to hold and hope that someone pops at the combine in the pre-draft and gets drafted high and says, oh, well, I can take that guy at the Superflex. But what made me worried was the guy with the 102 also is extremely, extremely needy at QB. So I was very much open to the pick, um, the trading the pick, rather. So um, this, this trade went down. I went and received Devontae Smith uh, from the Eagles, Khalil Herbert from the Bears, a 2023 third and 2022 fourth. And I gave up the 104. So think of it like the 104 for Smith. And I gave up the, a 2023 second. And it's most likely going to be a top six second. Um, Turtle, you own it. So I expect you to finish top six this year. Yep. And I, I threw in KJ Hamler uh, because he was going to be uh, a cut anyway as we trimmed down our rosters. So, um, you know, he was he was surplus. So I, I threw him in for whatever, a speculative dart throw if Corey wants to ride him out. Um, so. That's the context of the trade. You guys might walk me through your thoughts. Again, I don't, I, I don't, did anyone get waxed on this one? No, I love that trade. I think Devon, I mean, Devontae Smith speaks for himself. He's a Heisman winner, you know. The guy's got significant upside if Jalen Hurts can just figure out how to get the ball to him. Um, I think he's young enough that he's going to be a huge playmaker down the line. Yeah, I, I think um, my, my personal opinion, Matt, is you won this trade. Uh, I, I don't think that there's a better receiver than Devonta Smith, 104, right? I mean, the, the player who's going to be sitting there, you know, based on Jay saying he's going to go Brees Hall, uh, you've got the QB needy team probably going uh, Malik Willis too, right? And then I'm going to probably grab a wide receiver at yeah. three, um, just based on the talent of the class, right? So. You know, sitting there at four, you're looking at maybe Garrett Wilson, maybe Traylon Burks, but I think they're 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 maybe equally as good as Devonta Smith, but maybe not. Um, you know, so I, I I personally think you want you won that trade, and and you you said something in the chat, uh, you know, after you made the trade that resonated with me, which was if Jalen Hurts improves as a passer with Devonta then you win if Jalen Hurts doesn't improve and Philly moves on with a new quarterback then Devonta probably wins right so I I think your your gamble there with Devonta is is greater than 50 percent that he's going to improve one way or the other yeah I think when I look at the landscape I think it's extremely safe I think Devonte established a floor in his rookie campaign, and I I think that's um, what you can expect as a floor with 
Hurts performing at the level at which he did, which, I mean, we can think back to the Philly season. They really clamped down on his pass attempts, and they started to run the ball heavily. Um, who knows? Maybe if a running back goes there, they become attractive if they keep that in place. However, you got to think they're not going to be happy, especially Philly being a, a, a club with a rabid fan base. Uh uh, owner who has had a taste of Super Bowl victory and, and wants a club that's respectable. They're not in a second round draft capital QB. Let's face it is not the same as a first round draft capital. And, and even if you split down that, if we take a moment on first round draft capital, a top half of the, or are really top six QB is very much different than even a guy in the 7 to 12 range, and especially someone lower than that. So a round two QB like Jalen Hurts is, the team is not going to feel like, oh, we're stuck with this guy. We've, we've, we've put a lot into him. No, they'll, they'll move on if the opportunity arises, and they'll only move on for something better, um, was my point of view. Now, um, if, if Burks goes out and becomes Debo Samuel, yeah, uh, possibly could have lost, but I viewed it as if, if Devontae Smith was in that draft and he was there at 104, I'm, I, and I got extra data on Devontae Smith playing a pro season, I'm taking him at the 104. Now, I don't want to, before we move on, I don't want to skim over Khalil Herbert. No, I, I think you got a value in Herbert there, too. I love, and I, I, the listeners out there love Herbert, and Corey will tell you if he was on the pod, I was hounding him before Montgomery went down. Um, not a high draft capital QB didn't really, you know, pop off the, the, the tape in college, but, um, I just saw him kind of getting a few carries here and I saw, man, that guy's got some bursts. Now he goes and Montgomery went down with a knee and, you know, I was, I was throwing everything at Corey last year, but he was using him as a starter, um, here and there. Um, so he wasn't he wasn't willing to, to be pried away from have Herbert pried away from him. Uh, a second round 2023 that could be in the top six picks in that round. It could be an overpay. Um, you might be able to, in your league listener, get him for a third round pick uh, in 22 or 23. Um, that just wasn't my opportunity. And that was a guy I really wanted. Uh, and I was happy. And ultimately I think that's the way you got to view trades is whether Brian and I are looking at your trade or Turtle and I or, or, or those two are looking at your trade. Um, you know, when we get some listeners um, to talk about trades in their league, and if, we, if there's something we don't like but you do like like it for the, for the cost that you paid, that's really all that matters. Um, and that was really evident to me with this one. But, uh, Brian, I'll let you give closing thoughts. It sounded like you wanted to make a point or two on Herbert. No, I, I, uh, I actually was in the same boat as you. I've been throwing stuff at at Corey left and right trying to get Herbert and uh, just could never get the deal done. Um, and it, it usually took about three days to figure that out. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I like Herbert. I think he is, he's clearly shown that he is uh, a piece of that offense. And uh, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I, I think on that trade, right. It's not, not like you, 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 you pants it right. You fleeced him, um, but I think you you probably will feel the better side of that trade long term. Yeah. So so when you think about it, we're four trades in talking, right? And this was 
I think that one probably went down maybe two or three in the afternoon. So it's been every two hours people are on a work day seeing this massive trade pop through. Everyone's getting in the chat. It was one of the funnest days. We're not done yet. Trade number five, Brian, why don't you walk us through what Joey and Noah came up with? Yeah, and I'm glad you asked me to start this one off because uh, one of the players in this trade I was I was trying to get and had offered two first-round picks for. Um, so uh, the trade that went down was Alvin Kamara and Mike Williams, right? And the, you know, place place yourself at the point in time. This is this is shortly after the news came out with Alvin Kamara and the uh, the battery incident after the Pro uh, Bowl ball game right um so alvin kamara and mike williams uh sent for dalvin cook and clyde edwards hilaire uh i was i was a little pissed off when this trade went down because i had offered a couple first round picks for dalvin cook um and uh i was trying to get uh d hop in that well um and uh and I I saw this trade go down, and I was just like, why, right? So, um, you know, context of Joey's roster, he literally drafted every old man in the NFL he possibly could. I'm pretty sure the average age of his roster is like 50. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, he he made a he made a bet with with the the his trade partner where uh, he bet a, a, an amount of money that he's going to end up in the top six this year. So. Um, yeah, I, I just didn't understand this trade, right? I mean, he, he, he took it at that may be suspended to start at the beginning of the year. He gave up, uh, you know, it, probably his, his dynasty player, uh, roster at the time. Um, he got Mike Williams, which I don't know. I mean, Mike Williams is, he's a high draft capital, uh, player but he's been someone who hasn't been able to stay healthy throughout his career and, and I don't I don't know that that's going to change um you know he's going to wait Clyde Edwards Lair okay you know I mean, oh I was confused because he he had just traded for CEH a few days earlier then he came yeah. to me and he got McKinnon looking to handcuff CEH um you know thinking that McKinnon will resign after the playoff showing you know for cheap um and then bam he, he moves Edwards Lair I I too was very confused by this one uh a three running back and one wide receiver trade you don't see that all the time three big name RBs moving uh but yeah so so turtle what were your thoughts a clear winner or you okay with it i uh, i mean at this point joey joey's going to be struggling for years and years and years so i mean this trade just put him even further back in my opinion especially if kamara gets uh suspended for even any amount of time um, it was so smart for Noah to, to pick up Dalvin because he has Madison. So he already has the successor to the Vikings um, future running back. So why not take a shot on Dalvin? Maybe he'll have one real healthy year and then go out on top. And then he also gets, I consider, I personally considered uh, Clyde Edwards Flair in danger dynasty territory because who knows what's going on with that guy. He, he he looked all right towards the end of the season, but he's just been kind of a disappointment. Um, but he's still he's still young enough where you could take a shot on him and maybe maybe everything will turn around for him. So, I mean, yes, Noah won that trade. Joey's not really exactly too sure what's going on, and that's really how I see it. Okay, so, so far we think we have three even Stevens, and then um, 
two winners um, from the past two trades we talked about. Um, yeah, I, I got to agree. Um, I, I like the the Cook and, and Ceh side, um, especially with Kamara. You know, I, I don't know the uncertainty there um, is is certainly alarming, um, especially if you're trying to finish top six like Joey is. Now, I, I will say, right? I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a slight counterpoint, right? Uh, if you look at it from the the side of the Cook owner, right? you're not typically getting more than 14, maybe 13 games a year, right? He, he's always good for a couple games down, right? Yes. So if, if you're thinking that Kamara might get suspended for, I don't know, three to four games, right? Take that out of the equation, right? And then, then you're putting the players on equal footing, right? So I, I will say from that standpoint, you, you can make the argument that perhaps the uh, the suspension of Kamara gets if it if it happens right it's outweighed by the three history of cook mm-hmm. uh i still would prefer the cook side just because of the offer that kamara's going to be on next year um you know peyton peyton's gone right i really think he was the visionary of that offense um their their quarterback situation is upended their cap numbers are crazy i mean it's still a good offensive line it's still a good defense you know but I think defense, you know, Kamara and, and make him make him pass. Yeah, and I, I think what's not lost either. We don't want to lose context. Is um, the person who received Cook also happens to be the Madison owner, so yeah. he's probably fairly comfortable with. Yeah, if I if I'm missing him three games, whatever, I still get the RB one um, on Minnesota. Yeah, either way, he's getting a win in that in that situation. I I like it for uh, for Noah. Yeah. So. Is the next trade, guys? Uh, I don't know that I want to talk about it. I'm I, I don't even again. want to talk about the next trade. Let's I'm just involved, move on. I'm involved again. And uh, was this the biggest trade on the day? Uh, possibly uh, the biggest shifter uh, of, of talent on the day. Um, but I want to hear it from your guys' standpoint on if it was – even if it was an ankling, are we going to bust out the ankling terminology here? I'll, I'll, I'll say the optics, and I'm going to turn it over to you, and I'm going to abstain. I traded Dwayne Haskins, Quintez Cephas, <laughs> to 2020, <laughs> a, a 2023 first, which in all likelihood is going to be top three. Um, so it's, it's probably not going to be the 101. Uh, but but likely the 102 or 103, if you can confidently project that, that's what it's looking like. And I traded the 2024 first that was mine and the 2024 first that was Turtle. So very likely bottom four picks in 2024 if, if both our teams remain good. But anyways, it's so far out, it's like, okay. Um, so And I received in return... Um, a 2023 second, so it went from the first to the second, uh, 2023 third, 2024, I mean, 2024 third, 2024 fourth, and Travis Kelsey and Trey Lance. Yeah, all right, let me just talk about it. This this is a huge shift in the power dynamic of the league. Matt was already in a good position to be top six um, for the next bunch of years with Justin Jefferson and Antonio Gibson, Najee. Um, this was something that I think just transferred the uh, balance of power and it really swung in your favor. 
I mean, I know Travis Kelsey is 32 years old now. So how many more possible, how many more good, good, good years can he possibly go? It's probably honestly two or three. So we know that eventually you will trade Travis Kelsey because you will, you will, you will sell him off to some poor schlub who doesn't understand the concept. And you also got the guy that we opened the show talking about, which is Trey Lance, who we already said and established as a top eight quarterback without even really playing any games. So instead of having Matt Ryan at the helm, a.k.a. Wiener Crayon, you now have Trey Lance and you also have an elite tight end. And you didn't even give up any draft picks for the next for this year's draft. It was all later than 2020. Welcome back. <laughs> hey, Brian. Yep. All right. Looks like we got Turtle. All right, guys. Not sure what happened there. But we had a, a, a little bit of a heart attack. We were going for one hour straight. I think it was a, exactly at the one hour mark. Um, the call-in room dropped. So I ended up finding the audio, audio file, publishing that. That's why we got the impromptu episode four, part two, where we'll continue our discussion. So in the first uh, part of the episode of episode four that, that's published and out, You'll find what Turtle and I have been up to and why there were, we waited so long between episodes. Uh, the recent NFL and Combine news and trades one through six of our biggest 24-hour window. We were talking about trade six, and I want to get it back over to you, Turtle. Um, it was the big Trey Lance and Kelsey deal for draft picks, um, and you were kind of talking about how that shifted the balance of the league. Why don't you? Why don't you just take it right away? Yeah, all I was really saying was that Matt ended up with two great players and Travis Kelsey and Trey Lance, and he didn't have to give up any draft capital for this year's rookie draft. I think all in all, that's a big win. Um, as we know, Jay is still going to be in the rebuilding phase for the next couple of years, so he's okay with it. Um, but yeah, I think Matt won that trade by by a lot for somebody that's trying to compete now and in the future. Um, and that, that's really all I got about that. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, having talked to Jay, he really valued uh, the top end 2023 picks. And I think that that's really what this came down to for him. He was hell bent on getting that 2023 top, uh, top two, top three first um, that Matt was holding at the time. So, you know, I mean, that that player could end up uh, being a really good player. Um, but. I think we said it at the beginning of the other episode, right? I mean, it's it's or or a previous episode. It's it's really tough to trade for top quarterbacks, right? Like they, they're they're a dime a dozen, and when you hold one, you don't want to let them go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've had a couple people inquire uh, about trading one of my my top QBs, and uh, you know, I've I've rebuffed uh, some pretty strong offers, including uh, one probably the strongest one from from yourself, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just because, you know, even if, even if you're getting three first round picks for a quarterback, right. And, and I mean, you're getting, I, I would argue you're, you're probably getting two first round picks here for a quarterback. You, if you don't have another one, you got to use another first round pick on a quarterback, right. Yeah. Uh, to, to replace that player, <laughs> you know, with the hit rate of quarterbacks, you're probably using two first round picks to get yourself a replacement level quarterback. So. 
And for me, it was um, Kelsey kind of kind of as almost like a throw-in. If we're talking three first-round picks for a top-end QB, which, again, uh, in the first half of this episode, we were talking about how, um, you know, I think collectively we said, yeah, Lance is probably, for a dynasty format, Superflex, going to be a top eight to ten QB. I yeah. think we I think we said top eight is where we kind of drew maybe maybe the floor you know with the with the rushing and just the the situation he went into um, and I'll circle back on the situation but yeah just to to have Kelsey there too and again we're tight end premium I was like oh boy yeah so I'd love to have that high twenty twenty three pick but uh, doesn't help me at all for twenty twenty two and. The final point that I'll make on Lance is circling back to situation. You're going to have some great QBs come out in the 2023 draft. Um, Stroud or um, Bryce Young. Yeah, yeah, Bryce Young from Alabama. Like, there's there's going to be quality top-end starters. In uh, Superflex, you might have a clear one-on-one. The problem is... And, and Turtle, don't take this as a knock on your guy, Trevor Lawrence, is we heard Trevor Lawrence is going to be a generational talent, and he might be that, right? It didn't look like it year one, but the problem historically with people going in the top three picks, these come in and save our franchise type situations is it doesn't happen like Joe Burrow all the time, um, and hardly ever. Uh, Matt Stafford. Jared Goff, uh, Sam Bradford, the list goes on and on. Uh, Alex Smith, I, he went one-on-one, I believe. Like, they don't come in and save a franchise. Why? Because the franchises that they're going to are terrible teams. Yep. And football is not the NBA. You don't get that one missing piece, generally, and it's just it, it, from the rookie draft. Obviously, the Rams kind of got it in Matt Stafford, but from the rookie draft, you don't get one piece to just oh, your franchise is good. Like, um, it takes a long time to turn a failing franchise around. What's very unique and changed my mind greatly about Trey Lance is he went top three and fell into an extremely good team support system but also a very stable front office shanahan and lynch with those twin seven or eight year deals like there's stability there um he had a year to to be groomed now that we're looking hindsight you know people drafting and last rookie draft probably didn't think so but um you're not going to find a high-end talent often moving to us or being drafted into an extremely stable situation it's it think of it like lamar going to the ravens at one at the 1.32 the reason why a great qb was able to be great is because he went to a great situation at, at being drafted at the 32nd spot if he went if you redid that draft and he was taken one-on-one and it was to whoever it was the jags or the lions or whoever drafted first that year it's totally different. It's going to be, t- they might not have used them the same way Harbaugh changed the system. It's, it's very hard to replicate that. So for me, I was very happy with the deal. Sure. I was regretful on, on trading some of the picks. Um, but I think that regret is going to be far outweighed by, um, I, I shouldn't say regret. It, it, 
it was painful a little bit to trade away three. I had never done that. Um, but I think it was well worth it. Yeah, it was worth it for you. And I was going to say to just piggyback off of the, uh, the one-on-one quarterback situation It's you're put into a big pressure situation. So hopefully they could build around these guys like Trevor Lawrence, you know, and, and maybe one day he could be the, uh, the guy that everyone thinks he's going to be. Mm-hmm. I think they made a first, a good first step, um, with, with Doug Peterson. And that's yeah. something we should probably cover in a future episode is, is, you know, there was a lot of coaching carousel changes. What does it mean for the players on those teams? We'll, we'll dive into that for the audience um, in a future episode. All right. So um, that was trade number six. And then that was it for the night. We, we closed it down. Um, and that kind of ended the night with a bang after, you know, uh, a blow up in the, in the chat. The, the next morning we woke up, and before that 24-hour period had closed, we had one final trade go through. Um, it was between Jay and Joey. And uh, it wasn't a big one, but we're in a super flex league, and it was Jimmy Garoppolo in a fifth uh, being traded for a 2024 second. So, you know, you don't usually see starting QBs get changed for a second-round pick, never mind one so far out in the future. Uh, Garoppolo has question marks around him, but by all accounts, he should be a starter somewhere. The shoulder surgery should not impact that. Um, Turtle, what do you think? Did Joey finally make a, a trade that makes sense for him? Uh, or, or well, what do you think? well, well, Joey, I think that same week also traded me to a, I think it was, might've been a, might've been a day or two after. So he made a good move by getting Jimmy G, but then he just gave away another QB just randomly. I, I didn't even give up much for, for, for Tua. So, um, like I said, Joey, hopefully we'll figure it out. But right now, I think his team is not going to be competing for a little bit. Struggle City. Yeah, yeah, that was a few days after where you got to us. So, um, all right. So, so Joey made, made a smart move. He ended it. It wasn't. It didn't end on, on like, as big as the Kelsey and Lance deal. But nonetheless, that was our, our crazy 24-hour trade period. Some Some truly shifting of uh the the power players in that league um at the end of the day so real life trades that happened with folks who know dynasty um and you know you tell us if, if that would work in your league or if you like some of it go go try to replicate it for sure so all right Turtle, this is going to be fun we're going to move into into the turtles top three segment we got um a handcuff edition today. We want to cover uh, the top, your top three handcuffs at both the wide receiver and RB position. So start us off on whatever position you want, but then let's uh, stick with that position for your top three. Yeah, I'll st- I'll start with a uh, wide receiver just because I think it's a little bit easier to explain. Um, so my my first wide receiver that I am going to be talking about who I think has such good high upside as I don't want to call these wide receivers handcuffs, but I'll say second and third options. Um, the first one is going to be LaVisca Chenault. He, he was so hyped at the beginning of last year. He didn't really live up to the expectations. Obviously we just talked about the coaching carousel and the Trevor Lawrence situation, but you know what? That guy has elite athleticism. So I think that once the Jaguars figure out, how to use him as a true weapon, he's going to really make a, make a splash for his team and be a really, really good option behind whoever their wide receiver one's going to be. Because I don't think he will ever be their WR1, 
but I think that he definitely has the ability to be a, a, a top wide receiver too in the NFL. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. I, I think he's somebody who's fallen way down the draft boards at this point. I mean, it's almost for nothing. Yeah, I, I think Urban Meyer, uh, he, he got he got the Urban Meyer effect, but hasn't gotten the rebound from Urban Meyer necessarily leaving. You know, so I, I think there's there's definitely upside opportunity for Chanel. Yeah, and 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 to piggyback on how Turtle opened the segment for the handcuffs on the wide receiver side, certainly um, less maybe dependent on injury as a wide receiver. You know, plenty of teams run four wide sets or rotate their guys in and out. But yeah, I think these are going to be if an injury occurs and these guys move up the depth spot a peg like that, they have the chance to really you know pop. Uh, but even if they don't turtle, I think to your point. Chenault's a guy who, um, you know, is is lower and he can he can go in and produce without an injury in front of him. Fully agreed. Fully agreed. He's 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 got elite athleticism. He, he's he's a beast. Yeah. Let's see if Peterson knows how to use him. Yeah. Let's hope. So for number two, I'm gonna be I'm gonna stick with the uh, team who made it to the Super Bowl, and that's gonna be the Bengals. And it's going to be Tyler Boyd just because of who he's paired up with. You know, he he's already established himself as a very good wide receiver in the NFL. But if one of those top dogs, Higgins or um, oh, yeah. Jamar, goes down, he's going to be instant. Oh, my God. he's going to be instant. Wr two. I'll tell you, I couldn't agree more. I was facing Mike's team last year, I think, and our projection was really close, and. I think T. Higgins was banged up the week before, and it was like, is he going to play, is he not? And I was like, damn it, like, Mike's got Tyler Boyd, doesn't have T. Higgins, he's going to be able to swap him in and have, like, an immediate impact player. Uh, And sure enough, T. Higgins ruled out, Tyler Boyd starts, Tyler Boyd does just what I thought, scores a touchdown, the whole nine yards, so, you know... Luckily for T, he wasn't hurt long term. But yeah, when when I saw you send this in on the show doc, I thought, wow, what a good pick! I I love Tyler Boyd as just man. You get you get an incredible weekly provider in that offense. If uh, if someone above him goes down, that's yeah, that's a great one. Boyd to me is the best uh, third receiver on any team in the NFL. Oh yeah. Gotta be. He's unreal. He he he's a great player and he's a possession receiver. You know, he kinda he can really just go over the middle and just catch passes and really just get first downs, get get big yardage plays and, and then score touchdowns ultimately. So I mean, who wouldn't want to have that as your third receiver option on your team, especially with such an elite quarterback in Joe Burrow? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those are two great starters. What do you got us to bring us home? Yeah, I mean for my third I'm going honestly, KJ Osborne. Love it. I, Love I think me some crazy train. Yeah, crazy trains. He's a beast, man. And and the good thing about crazy train is that he's so young still, and feelings on his way out, and really can't stay uninjured. So Osborne showed some really good signs. Um, and I'm just excited to see what he can do. He he seems like he's going to be such a great fit with Jefferson, just because. There's going to be so many teams doubling up on Jefferson, mm-hmm. and it's just going to leave a lot of open space for for Crazy Train Osborne, and not sure. to mention Irv Smith's going to be 
you know, back. So that really opens up some more space for him as well. So I, I think that Vikings team, if they can get their uh, their offense going with their new coaching, um, he's going to be a good a good piece to have on any team on, on their team. Yeah, no, I I think that's that's a great one. Uh, Thielen getting long in the tooth. Um, you got McConnell coming in. By all accounts, seems like a really strong offensive mind. And uh, Cousins is, is sticking around, and, and you know, we, we see that, yeah, a Cousins-caliber quarterback is a very desired level of quarterback in, in the league, you know, just because they're not moving on from him at such a high price tag. It kind of speaks volume. So it'll, just, it'll I'm, I'm just curious to see, right? I mean, you know, Cook, Cook isn't going anywhere. He's the running back there, right? Jefferson's not going anywhere. He's the he's the the lead wide receiver in that offense, right? Is O'Connell going to bring in somebody to put his stamp on the offense mm-hmm. that might impact Osborne? Um, that you know that that's my only concern with him. Um, but yeah, I, so I mean, he he's he he definitely showed that he can be a player in this league. With WFT, uh, I don't know if we're just going to call them commanders. They obviously weren't the commanders at the time. Um, and then, you know, he's got the L.A. ties most recently. So, you know, maybe there's a cast off from one of those that he wants to pull in a guy. Certainly, you know, he's got inroads to uh, to talk with those teams at a minimum. Yeah. Yep. So, no, that that's great, Turtle. I, I like those three. Um, if – if you had to recommend um, one of those guys, who would be the the one you'd recommend to listeners to go get? And then what do you think is the price that they would have to pay to land one of those guys? Ooh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I think personally, just because he's so established already, he's a little bit older than the other two guys mentioned, but I think Tyler Boyd mm-hmm. would be the guy that I would be going after just because you know what you're going to get from him. And then some games you're going to get a lot more than you expect. Um, I think I think somebody might trade you trade you uh, Tyler Boyd for a second round, future second round, and then maybe a lesser wide receiver. So maybe somebody like Braxton Berrios and a second. Maybe yeah. maybe that'll get you get your Tyler Boyd. Maybe you might have to spend a little bit more on him, but I think that depending on the team team's uh, structure, you might be able to land him for something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, Brian, I don't know about you. To me, two in a in a potential fill-in like a Barrios guy, I think that, that that gets the deal done in most leagues. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, if, if it was me, I, I'm actually uh, – I'm probably going LaVisca Chenault, right? Okay. I think he's he's one of those players that uh, in the offseason is probably going to get talked up quite a bit by by other analysts in the, uh, the realm. And, uh, you know, as, as a low-cost, high-upside player, right, which is going to drive his cost up, um, it just just from players listening and going out and trying to acquire him, right? So I think now is the time to go and try and buy a LaVisca Chenault, um, you know, as cheap as you can. I mean, you might, you might even be able to get him for uh, a third and a player at this point. Yeah, well, I, I think it's possible. I think, that, I think third and a, and a player is, is very, very possible. Especially yep. as we move closer to the draft, and someone might say, "Yeah, who? There's there's 36 players that that I like. I can take a whatever an upside RB, a, a rookie or whatever, right? Um, 
Yeah, if you're looking for the guaranteed production, though, I think Boyd's Boyd's the safer the safer play. Yeah, yeah agreed. Yeah, no, no arguments here. Uh, I could, I could, you know, split it three ways and go Osborne myself. I, I'm a bit partial. I had him, and he did great for me last year. I had him once he kind of came on. Um, BD, I think that was one of the two trades that you and I did, where I think I walked away feeling pretty good in terms of what I gave and what I got. The other being Ernest Johnson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's no longer with me, but I, I, I do like um I do like Osborne's upside. So all right, switching over to the running backs, which you know, people love themselves a good RB handcuff, a good league winner just waiting in the wings for an injury to someone on my team, or most likely those league winners come from I got a handcuff on someone else's team, um, waiting on my bench for an injury or or just uh, the opportunity. So, turtle, hit us with uh, hit us with your first one. On you know, you know what's you know what's funny about this. I I really looked in and, and just dove a little deep into wh- which teams have the best handcuffs, and what I came up with is pretty interesting. It's three power backs, like three absolute power backs that are goal line monsters that can just get touchdowns. They'll get yards. Um, and they'll really just be successful at the at the next level if given an opportunity. Um, the first one is everybody knows him for filling in for King Henry is Donta Foreman. Oh, and you guys didn't see that coming because not a lot of people might like that. But he's still young. He's young and he is athletic. So I think that if this man can get land land on a team that's a little bit running back needy, like like I I would love to see him go to the Jets to be the complement to Michael Carter and just be the power back there right at the goal line, get all those carries. I think he would have such a great year. Yeah, uh, I could see him certainly moving teams and maybe from um, from a if I'm Deontay Foreman, I'm just trying to get the most money, especially since I capitalize on my health. Personally, I think Titans would be crazy to let him go. He yeah. he is a, he, there's no clone for Henry, obviously, but um, the body of work he put in, I'd be a little concerned about the foot maybe long term if I'm if I'm John Robinson sitting there in the front office and I would say why would I let this guy walk? You know, I'd, I'd at least try to match anything he'd get. But yeah, if you're the foreman owner. You probably want to see him on a new team because he doesn't have a guy like Henry in front of him if he goes anywhere else. So, what do you think, BD? Yeah, um, it's always a question of uh, you know is is the system the one that makes him work uh, versus the player, right? I mean, I think interesting stat I saw in the Titans this year is uh, Foreman and and uh, I forget the other guy who was filling in for Henry, Nick um, Nichols. Yeah, McNichols during the season, right? Those two backs combined uh, had the same yards per carry average that Henry had. You know, and then you had Dalton Hilliard. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Hilliard too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I think I, I think uh, Tennessee has a really good system uh, for the running back there. Obviously, Henry is a special player, and um, you know can can hold up to that workload, and and uh, you know just gets better as he goes. But I, I think. I think Foreman staying in that offense would actually probably be the best thing for him as a player um, just because they found a way to use him. Um, and, 
you know, that's not necessarily going to be the case uh, anywhere else. on 323 carries and scored 15 times that's pretty insane he was playing at a little bit of a lower level um still division one obviously but not not no sec school but just just to think about that is crazy how how athletic these guys are and if just given the opportunity you know they really can make a splash yeah no there's another achilles guy right i think so i think he i think he got hurt a few times yeah yeah all right, well, moving on, I, I, I'm going to stick with the power backs, and this is a good one because we have a lot of Patriot fans in our league, and that is 100% Ramondre Stevenson. Um, this guy doesn't have such high draft capital where they need to utilize him all the time, but he fits exactly perfectly into Belichick's offense, especially with Damian, Damian Harris uh, about to be in his third year. The Pats rarely pick up those contracts. And that's just going to leave room for Ramondre to just keep getting more and more work as time progresses. The LeGarrette Blunt role. Yep. Yeah. So, what what gets you Ramondre Stevenson? If if you if you're not the Stevenson owner and you want to scoop him up, what it what gets you him? Uh, he's tough. He's very tough because they already have such a good established running back in and Damian Harris, but I mean, I think he's the future of that organization for at least a couple of years. So, so I think you're going to be having to give up a little bit more than you expect, maybe a second and a third round pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I think Stevenson is one of those players that is a much better uh, throw in at the end of a trade versus trying out and trying to go and acquire him uh, just standalone. Yeah. Know? I think a lot of people feel the same way that you do, Turtle, about Stevenson. That you know he he balled out this year, and if you know if Harry uh, Harris does does walk in uh, next season, um, not not this season, next season, right? Yeah, next season. he could be the guy, right? But I think I think he's a much better you know go for the bigger deal and say, hey, you know, let's let's swap wide receiver, running back. I'll give you a you know a, a wide receiver three type player. You give me Stevenson. Um, especially if you have depth at wide receiver where you can afford to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, like, just to give you some context. Um, and maybe it's because maybe, maybe as I, before I even say it, maybe it's because wide receivers just have more longevity in dynasty. Uh, but I'm a Kadarius Tony truther, right? And if someone wanted him from my squad, um, since I'm the Tony owner in our league, to me, I would not part with him for uh, less than a first-round pick, right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, Stevenson, who may have had, you know, at a, a season accumulation standpoint, more better games than Tony did, I would not trade a first-round pick for Stevenson. Am, am I just am I just thinking of it wrong? Is it just like? Am I thinking of Tony Ceiling versus, uh, you know, for 2023 versus maybe Stevenson's or, you know, uh, how do you how do you reconcile that? Am I just am I just crazy? No, it's just confirmation bias. And I got it, too. It's just like, hey, I got this guy on my team. I, I, I overvalue him. But I think like the only reason I overvalue him is because I see such big potential in him. And that's where my third that's where my third uh, pick for this segment's coming in right quick. 
but right. I, I think Tony, I think Tony is probably worth a first round pick just because of how flashy he is. Yeah, and, and there's opportunity there. I see. Yeah, but yeah, I just, I just have trouble saying, oh, let me, let me go give a future first for Stevenson. Um, you know, with Harris sitting there in front of him, if Harris went out and and you know did something major, uh, and it's obviously Stevenson's backfield, then. He's worth the first every day of the week and maybe more, but yeah, I don't know. So you also know how the Patriots run their 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 uh, run offense. So you know it's a, it's a little harder to trust the Pats running backs because Billy B just interchanges them so much, and yeah. you still got James. I don't know if James White is a free agent or not, but you got James White, you know, who's mm-hmm. missed all last year, and they utilize him heavily in that offense. Yeah, uh, Ch- Chase Edmonds is a future Patriot. Mark. Yeah, I see that. Ooh, okay, okay. Like that call. All right, turtle number three, bring us home. Yeah, you know who it is. It's the guy that I value the most on my team, I think. Probably just, it's probably so overvalued, but it's A.J. Dillon. I think the guy is so good. I see him reprising the role and taking over for Aaron Jones this year. Like, I really think that they're going to utilize him so much more than they did this year in more of the and more of the run game and then just using Aaron Jones as strictly a pass catching back um and I see such big potential in him he's he's a monster I, I don't see why anyone wouldn't see big potential in him we, we need a quadzilla drop quadzilla I love that guy <laughs> quadzilla yeah I mean I uh, you know Technically, maybe he's a handcuff. Jones is is not going anywhere, but um, it probably ain't long before he is the or, or before he gets his chance at the RB one. Let's put it that way, right? They should uh, within if it's not twenty three, most likely. I mean, if not in twenty two, most likely in twenty three, he's getting a shot at uh, at being the guy there. Um, Agreed. Although, you know, they just restructured Jones' contract, so he's not quite as expensive as he was. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the nice part about Dylan, right, is uh, coming into the season, you weren't you weren't really sure what his value was going to be. I, I think he's definitely cemented himself in that, uh, in that role where he's getting a minimum of 10 points a week, and if he falls into the end zone, right, it's sort of like you were saying, 15, 16 points week right you're you're really loving that um and and if he does become the guy right at some point uh the work the, the three that workhorse in that role then you know it's 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 all all upside from there yeah i guess i can't really like you said can't really consider him as a handcuff because he splits so much of the workload but i still see him as a handcuff until he's getting 90 percent or 80 80 percent of the carries he's still he's still a handcuff in my eyes yeah, I, th- I think you're right. right? I mean, he's, he's he, I don't think he's quite that 50% guy yet. At least, you know, this maybe going into this season, he becomes more of that 50% guy um, as, as Jones gets a little bit older. But yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I, I like all those guys that were on this list. Yeah, no, no, very, very solid list. BD, any, uh, any wide receiver or RB handcuff you throw out just for the listeners that we didn't talk about? Um, I, I don't know if you can consider him a handcuff or not right now. I, I'm not really sure what you consider him. I, I guess you consider him a free agent, but uh, Rashad Penny, if he ends up back in Seattle, 
mm-hmm. uh, between him and Carson. Um, yeah, I, I think at this point, if he if he resigns, you're probably not looking at him as a handcuff. You're probably looking at him as the one A to the one B in that offense mm-hmm. because the way he finished off that season. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rashad Penny's an interesting guy. Um, you know, wide receiver. Um, you know, I, I think Chase Claypool is an interesting name, uh, especially if they can get a good wide receiver, a uh, good quarterback there in, in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's a lot of guys that you hear talked about, you know, Claypool, Gabe Davis, um, you know, Terry McClure, and a couple, a couple guys, you know, that were on my roster at one point. But, um, you know, I, I think the one thing that I'm I'm watching out for is – uh, any of those upside wide receivers that end up on an offense with a rookie quarterback starting, um, you know, recently saw a stat where uh, no rookie quarterback has ever supported uh, more than a wide receiver three, I think, um, on their offense. So, you know, I'm I'm a little wary of any wide receiver who's going to be attached to a rookie quarterback. Yeah. You know, on those teams. Yeah, it's just hard. You know, the the rookie season, most most QBs just aren't given um, the the full playbook uh, to to just go out there and throw. You know, thirty five plus times a game. It's it's um, they they break in slowly, so it totally makes sense. Uh, I'll I'll throw out and say, um, as I said before, I'm a Khalil Herbert truther, so I I try to go get him if uh, he's gettable in your league. And uh, I'll go. I'll, I'll go back to Pittsburgh, but I'll go with a different wide receiver there, who's probably cheap, uh, and that's uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he might fall into that. He's the third on the depth chart uh, behind Claypool and Johnson. Uh, I don't think you're going to worry about James Washington all that much, although you know he is super athletic. Um, but who knows? You know, Juju finally healthy. In the slot um, with with the rookie QB, maybe he's maybe he's the safety valve. Is, is Juju not a free agent? He is, he is, but I believe all accounts, um, and we didn't cover that news. All accounts that I've heard is it's looking like you know his best um, his best destination or, or, or dollar wise is going to be back in Pitt, and it's looking like he's going to be back there. But nice. I don't know if you guys have heard differently. No, I haven't heard. That's why I was curious. I, I didn't know, but I think him in Pittsburgh is is a good is a good spot for him. I yeah, mean. yeah. Obviously, I'm going under the assumption he returns. With my previous comments, just based on what I heard, if he goes elsewhere, who knows? Uh, man, where he's on the depth chart. I'm super disappointed, man. I really thought I was going to hear Antonio Williams drop there. <laughs> hey, you know, if we wanted to get into, if we labeled this super deep sleepers, I mean, we gotta we gotta call it what it is a super yeah. deep. Uh, and who knows? Maybe maybe we take some time on a future segment and we do something like that—a super deep wide receiver or or running back on a team. Um, you know, I like. Hey, let's be the guys to introduce the world to the this year's like Jarrett Patterson's, right? Or Tony Jones Jr. Like the guys who, in one or two weeks, they got you something. They maybe flashed a little, but uh, you know, they're not the big names like the ones we covered today in terms of handcuffs. Uh, Certainly, we can dive more into what the heck are the Giants doing with their roster, Williams included, on a future episode. But, <laughs> uh, guys, any any closing thoughts? 
No, I'm all set, man. Great, great segment. Yeah, great, yeah. great, great content. Thanks, thanks for that. Thanks for the listeners. I saw a few pop in um, here and there, here and there throughout the the app. So glad we had some live listeners, and we'll wrap it up again uh, today with "Falling" by Zephyr. Thanks, guys.